This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings, and I am your host. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Liz Dubois, an executive coach and divorce coach, and she is amazing. She is going to be speaking at a deconstructed holiday on Sunday, December 11th. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's real quick. It's real fast, but it's highly entertaining, and we're talking about purity culture. So you know what that is. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Touchy Subjects podcast. I am so glad that you are here. And today I have with me Dr. Liz. She is amazing. We just made fast friends and we've only talked like two or three times. Either way, I feel like I have a new bestie and I love it. And we're going to be talking about kind of our post-Thanksgiving hangover. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting because you and I, we kind of come from the same spot and we both went home over Thanksgiving <laughs> and I'm like, we could not be any more alike in a lot of different ways. We even kind of look alike. I'm like, we could be related, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Liz, thank you for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are, what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I am... Um... Oh, when my publicist reached out to me and she's like, there's this podcast and I think that you have to be on it and it's going to be amazing. I was really excited. And then when you and I met, I was like, ah, we're ah, so similar. So uh, for those of you that haven't been in on these conversations, which is all of you, Erin uh, and I grew up or lived for a significant chunk of our, our formative years within miles of each other. Um, and so in the in the context of this podcast, I think most relevant, uh, it, she she drove past my church every, every day. What, on every day on my way when I worked every at a day. church in Cincinnati. Yeah. And then my um my church was 1.4 miles from my home. So the nucleus of where so much of the kind of religious trauma nonsense came from, you were literally geographically right there. Um, but so broadening that out a bit from the scope of what we'll talk about today, uh, I'm Dr. Liz Dubois. I am an executive coach as well as a divorce coach. I work with people who are very high performers, high achievers, uh, you know, top of the class, top of their platoon for some of them in the military people that have achieved incredible things and still have some pretty significant imposter syndrome. So that is my claim to fame. I work with folks who have made it to the tippy top and still wonder when somebody's going to figure out that they probably shouldn't be there. Uh, I have a PhD in conflict analysis and resolution with a focus on family conflict, family trauma. Uh, Before coming into the coaching space, uh, ran nonprofits and worked in the international uh, affairs arena and in community development. So I come from kind of a weird, diverse background, but the common thread for everything has been looking at conflict that makes people feel like crap about themselves. And uh, Aaron referenced our Thanksgiving hangovers. I'm really grateful to have uh, 16 and a couple of 16 and three months, uh, with, with no alcohol. I'm grateful to live a clean and sober life. Um, but the, 
the price tag of that sometimes when you go home for Thanksgiving after a decade away from your hometown is that that emotional hangover, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing to take the edge <laughs> off. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't really, you know, beyond caffeine, I, I really don't drink much. So I've got my, my water here, you know, not even a Diet Coke to take the edge off. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a Coke a Zero fun. fanatic. Uh, that's, that's my, uh, that's my addiction. I try to keep it clean as well. Um, not that I have anything against alcohol. I guess I should give that disclaimer out there. Cause you know, I have been called a sipping saint before whenever I worked in a church. What's a sipping saint? <laughs> a sipping saint is just a Christian that drinks alcohol. That's what they called them in one of the churches Ugh. I worked at. Uh, anyways. What if we were all just people like what if we were people how about that well you know whenever you're on staff at a church you're not a real person don't you know that (laughs) you know my son he's eight and i'm pretty fucking proud of this uh he's eight we're lying in bed i don't know a couple nights ago um he likes to sleep with me so he's lying in bed with me cuddled up and i said something about the three wise men and he was like come with say what He'd never heard the Christmas story in like eight years on the planet. And like, I am a pretty big Christmas person. And he just, he had no idea what I was talking about. And I like, I told him the Christmas story and he was like, oh, that's why churches have babies laying in barns. And I was like, exactly. Um, You know, but he and I have had a lot of conversations from the time he was pretty little about why we don't go to church and um you know not in in many explicit ways but now he's a little older and he he knows about sex thanks to you know middle school kids that he comes into contact with and whatnot and and i've told him you know like this is this is a big reason why we don't go to church is is there's not a healthy culture to talk about sex as something that's normal and natural and deserves to be discussed in a healthy way so people can take care of each other. Um, but yeah, I'm all over the place now. I'll, you know, back to you. <laughs> well, no, that's actually a great segue into, I was just going to ask you for your deconstruction story. That's something that I ask everybody that comes on here. And a lot of people that come on here, they, they may not even be Christian. They may not be raised in the church, but they have something that they can help people heal with. But for those of us that have religious trauma, for those of us that have, been, you know, we've experienced spiritual abuse or anything like that, I always ask people for that because that is one of the common threads that I think everybody in the deconstruction community, we, we all experience. So I would love for you to share with everyone just your experience. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had never heard the word deconstruction until you and I had met. Like the way that I would define my kind of religious, uh, I call it deep programming often, like the experience of getting away from a mindset that I'm a sinner, something's broken, I need to be saved. Um, and, and for me, where I grew up, that had an explicit kind of purity culture overtone to it just because the the time period I was raised in the 90s. Um, leaving that was really like, there, it was not deconstruction. It was like talking fucking <laughs> roll. Um, I, you know, I just, I couldn't get out of the Midwest fast enough. So I really had a sense 
that this was not the way that everyone lived and believed. And I had told my mom growing up um, in, as a teenager, I said, you know, when I, when I grow up, I'm going to move somewhere where everyone is different because then no one is different. Like, get me out of here. And I knew that I wanted to be in Washington, D.C. I'd come here on a couple school trips and was just very clear that like this, this was my town. These were my people. This felt right to me. It's kind of stodgy <laughs> the area of the country. Um, and so I came here, went to college at American University and um, really did not have any strong interest in the church after one kind of volley in Chi Alpha. Um, I, you know, I wasn't involved in young life, but I, I went to Chi Alpha and, um, mostly cause there was a guy <laughs> I liked, but you know, whatever, we, we, whatever. Um, so, so I went on retreat with them once and it, like, that was, that was kind of the, the beginning and the end of it. Right. Was I, I'd gone to a couple of their services on campus and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know how to roll here. Like, okay. Hands in the air praise and worship band, like, yep, check, check, like, I uh, like good old standbys. And then I went on retreat and like, here I am with, you know, I'm ballparking like 50 ish kids from colleges in the area who had all taken a weekend away from being on campus to go to this retreat. And were the first night there, they whip out, you know, pun intended, like a purity culture abstinence message. Like that was the, that was the message in the altar call. And I remember being 18. Here I am like in a major metropolitan area surrounded with other kids, my age, my race, probably my socioeconomic background, which we could unpack <laughs> in a whole different problematic conversation. But, um, and instead of looking at these kids and saying, wow, here's 50 young adults so dedicated to being of service and following Christ, that they took a weekend away from being in a city, no parents living on their own to come worship and be together. And instead of looking at that and going, wow, these kids really must have some strong beliefs around how to live their life. They said, ah, let's beat them over the head again with don't have sex. And it's just like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. Because for me, my story was really centered around being sexually assaulted when I was 15 and having it in my head that that, that meant I had had sex right. And now I'll it, preach it from the rooftops that if it's forced intercourse, that's not actually sex. That's, that's right. rape. Right. But I didn't have any frameworks for that. Um, I didn't have any safe adults in my life saying, you know, I, I, I see that you're in a relationship. Let's, let's sit down and have a healthy conversation about boundaries. Let's talk about consent. Let's talk about respecting each other. The closest I came to that was having a conversation with my pediatrician about birth control. And like that, that shouldn't have been the case. I was surrounded by adults that, that claimed to love me, right? And in, in the church, I was really, really active in my youth group. And not one person pulled me aside and said, you know, seems like you're really into to this boyfriend of yours. Tell me about him. How's it going? Right. And there was a lot of abuse going on in that relationship, a lot beyond just the sexual abuse. And not one fucking person sat me down and said, I can't help but notice your personality is changing. I can't help but notice that you're not hanging out with your friends as much. 
And these grownups had access to see that. These were people in my life on a more than once a week basis. And when I think about how I hope important adults in my son's life take care of him, I, like, I really hope it has more to do with his mental health, his emotional development, how he's treating other people, the ways that he's learning how to be in relationship versus is your dick in somebody, are you masturbating? And to me, that's just a disgusting abdication of responsibility towards young people's hearts and minds that we just focus on their bodies. And, uh, you know, I, I stayed in that relationship for about nine months because I thought I'm, I'm spoiled goods. I'm going to hell. I, I had sex, quote unquote, which now I, I don't consider that to have been sex. Um, you know, but I, I had sex. I'm going to hell. I'm no longer pure. I might as well stay in this relationship because at least he loves me, right? Meanwhile, I'm getting screamed at and grabbed and thrown through hallways and, you know, isolated from people that love me and not one fucking adult in my life stepped in. That is so unfortunate. And I, I just, I, I feel terrible that you had to go through that. Um, what would be something that you would recommend? Because we do have, you know, half of our audience is Christian and a lot of them are active in ministry. When you see a yeah. teenager changing behaviors with a with a new partner, anything like that, what would be your recommendation just, you know, for somebody like you who's worked with people in conflict uh, in these kind of situations? What would yeah. you recommend that those, you know, church staff members, youth leaders, what would you recommend that they do in that situation? And this can be for anybody. You don't have to be in church work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, so let, let's zoom it out a little bit. I think this is a situation where uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound cure, really. So what I mean by that is conversations around consent and respect and navigating new sexual relationships, whether you're, you know, 13 and thinking about letting a boy kiss you or 23 and thinking about marriage. Like these are conversations that need to be happening early and often with people. So I, you know, I'll give just a kind of example of how this looks in my life. From the time that my child was born, the conversation when he's touching somebody or doing something that he shouldn't be is no means no. Like we've used that language really, really intentionally. And now that he's eight and he's asking questions about sex, the language that gets used over and over and over again is sex is normal and healthy. And it's really important that you be talking to the adults that you care about as you start to become more interested in these things. Um, you know, and, and maybe I won't be the adult that he talks to, but hopefully, God willing, you know, there is an adult that he's talking to, right? right? Um, because there, there's so many ways that we can become damaged, that we can harm each other um, with something that is, in my opinion, like a, a beautiful communication tool that God gave us to show love and tenderness to one another. Um, so what to do if you're, you know, in, in ministry staff? Here's what I would do. One, I would be weaving conversations about sex and sex con sexual consent into 
normal conversations with your youth group. I do not know, thank God, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to have no idea how conversations about purity and abstinence are going, but we have good data dating back to the 90s when this became part of the public discourse. We have good data that shows us even though young people are being told to remain abstinent, that is not the majority of the choices that are being made, right? And when people are told those things, they are more likely to enter a marriage that ends because they decide, well, I want to have sex, right? Normal, healthy human response, overwhelming biological drive, right? But because of what I've been taught in my, in my culture, right? I can't do that unless I get married. So we know that teaching young people that abstinence is their only option leads them to engage in risky behavior, right? Like anal and oral sex without conversations about sexual health. We know that it leads them to consider options like early marriage with child without having thought through, hey, this is a lifelong commitment, right? Where because we're we're in lust land as opposed to good critical <laughs> thinking land. We know that that's the case. If you can look at that data and still decide, no, 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 it is in alignment with my value system to only teach and talk about abstinence. In that situation, you need to, in my opinion, right, with my fairly <laughs> overeducated, well-grounded and research <laughs> opinion, right, in my opinion, what you need to be doing in those moments is saying, you know, we believe that God has called us to abstinence. And here's why, right? Here's the biblical references that we're pulling out that tells us, <laughs> pulling out, here's the biblical references that we're leaning on. <laughs> That, that tell us that we, this is, this is where this is coming from. We believe that God has given us the gift of sexual purity and that, that this is something that we only want to share with one person. And here's the scriptural reference. And this is where this is coming from, right? Because oftentimes these conversations are happening in vacuums that have nothing to do with scripture and everything to do with power and controlling it. Oh, that's a whole right? word, a whole word right there. About to take a lap. <laughs> right. So, so I, I would say that here's the like Dr. Dubois, like three, three step recipe here. One, if you are going to encourage abstinence, draw from scripture and give people reasons beyond this is just what God wants, because these are young people. They should be at this stage developing the ability to think critically for themselves and if what we want to do is create disciples of all the world, you need to be giving them some tools so that they can go preach things that are accurate as opposed to just parrot lines that they have been given. Thank you very much. Two, if you are going to be encouraging abstinence, you still need to talk about sexual safety and consent. We know that one in four young women is assaulted before adulthood. We know that one in six young men are assaulted before adulthood. So whether or not you would like them to remain pure, quote unquote, you need to be teaching them how to protect their bodies, yes. right? This is what it means to have a conversation with someone when they are pressuring you into sex. This is what to do if you are at a party and someone puts you in a position that you don't want to be in, right? These are conversations that need to happen because whether or not they choose to engage in sexual activity may not be up to them. We know that. 
We know that from very, very good research. We know that from research across the globe. So if you are not having those conversations because you don't want to encourage sexual activity, you are complicit in someone becoming a victim and you need to wear that. And I hope you lie awake at night feeling shitty about yourself if you choose to continue to not have these conversations. Thank you. Three, if you see, to your question, Aaron, if you see someone's behavior changing, you see them pulling back from relationships, you see them start to wear baggy clothing or kind of mask their bodies, or on the flip side of that, become overly promiscuous, right? Which I'm not sure that we would have a gauge on what that means in the <laughs> church, but you know, we see someone's behavior changing in pronounced ways. That is the time to have some heart-to-heart conversations with that person that have nothing to do with, well, this is what the Bible says about abstinence and purity and everything to do with, I love you a lot. It seems like things are changing in your life. Can we have a conversation about how I can support you, right? This is not a conversation about recommitting yourself to abstinence. This is not a conversation about born again virginity. This is not a conversation about guarding your brother's heart. None of those things. This is, you seem to be changing in ways that make me wonder whether or not something's going on. Can I help? How can I be of service? That is the perfect response. That three-step recipe right there. Um, I absolutely love that. And I'm definitely going to be clipping that and putting that all over social media because couldn't have asked for a better recipe. Um, I guess my next question would be, well, first of all, we're going to be having Dr. Liz at a deconstructed holiday. You want to tell us about your session? I am so excited. I mean, you can hear the passion behind everything she says. So her session's going to be fire. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, it's going to be recovery from purity culture, right? Bring me what, what is the, uh, the Statue of Liberty's poem, right? Your, your aching masses yearning to be free. Like bring me, bring me your traumatized masses aching to be healed because the the nonsense and malarkey that we taught throughout the 90s to people who are in your, me and your age range, right? I'm, I'm 39. Um, dudes, it was not okay. <laughs> it just wasn't okay, right? And it wasn't okay to the point that, to the extent that the person that wrote the foundational kind of cultural textbook on what it means to be pure, Joshua Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye, he's recanted that book. He he did a documentary on Netflix called I Survived, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Like we, we know that these things really harmed yeah. people. Uh, we know they really harmed people. I'm not speaking as a data point of one. Uh, I have women in my circle that left marriages 10 years later because they were like, damn, like I got married so I could have sex mm -hmm. and now I have a whole life with someone that I don't respect that I should have never married. I shouldn't have gotten married at 19 because I was a child. Right. But we were, we were lambs for slaughter. We were told that our most important asset was not how we care about people was not what we think was not the contributions that we could make to the world. It was whether or not, we were virgins. I'm like, God, what a fucked up, archaic 
value set. Like, ugh, it's just nasty. Yeah, that whole, it's just nasty. That whole marry or burn theology is so harmful. And the fact that it is the end of 2022 and I have still heard it preached, it just, it baffles me because it is so toxic. And like you said, so many people got into marriages. They had children. You know, a lot of people got pregnant mm -hmm. and then you know, got married just because they were forced to just to, you know, have the baby. And it's, it's just so harmful. And Dr. Liz gave us some really good tips on how to approach some of these situations. And I know her session are going to give us even more great insight into this area of our deconstruction. Uh, do you have any final words? Anything else? Comments, concerns, recipes, anything else? <laughs> Talk to your young people. Talk to your young people. Tell them, tell them, you know, Mother Nature, God, however you want to say it, gave you an overwhelming biological drive to have sex. And if you choose to uh, do something with that biological drive that involves waiting, I celebrate your decision. And if you choose to not, I support you and here's how I'm going to help you stay safe and healthy. And talk to your young people. If you care about preaching the gospel and ignoring the fact that they will more than likely have sex more than you care about making sure that they don't get syphilis and AIDS, fuck you. <laughs> well, I don't think I can end it any better than that. So on that note, we'll see you at a deconstructed holiday. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you have not already registered for a deconstructed holiday, head to our show notes and click on the link to register on Crowdcast. We are looking forward to seeing you there. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, follow us at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.